Well, good morning. How we doing? Fantastic. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn with me to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 7. We are starting now in the ninth chapter of John. Starting to get really good. We've been in John for uh, almost a year now. And uh, so this has been definitely a blessing. John chapter 9. If you're there, say word. Awesome. Stand with me in the honor of the reading of God's word. John 9. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that as we go into this time and to this word, I pray, Lord, that you will add a blessing upon it, that we are able to see the truth to what your word has. Open up our blind eyes to it. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. In his book, God Came Near, Max Lucado shares an illustration of a man who was blind for 51 years. This is what it says. For 51 years, Bob Edens was blind. He couldn't see a thing. His world was a black hall of sounds and smells. He felt his way through five decades of darkness. And then he could see. A skilled surgeon performed a complicated operation, and for the first time, Bob Edens had sight. He found it overwhelming. I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow, he exclaimed. I don't have the words. I am amazed by yellow, but red is my favorite color. I just can't believe red. I can see the shape of the moon. And I like nothing better than seeing a jet plane flying across the sky, leaving a vapor trail. And of course, sunrises and sunsets. And at night, I look at the stars in the sky and the flashing light. You could never know how wonderful everything is. That's amazing, ain't it? Some of us may never understand what it's like to be blind. I can tell you one time I was, uh, I was actually blind in one eye for about four hours. Maybe not medically diagnosable as blind, but I couldn't see out of it. I was a senior in high school. And a couple friends of mine and myself, we made a liquid bottle bomb. Now, I'm not going to uh, share how we did it for safety purposes, but <laughs> we, we, we did it. My friends, we were... We, we were just dumb. We, we decided to hang the bottle in a tree. We were at one of my friend's house, and 
What happens is the liquid in, in the bottle, it, it, it causes the bottle to expand and then to explode. It's not an actual bomb, but it's not very safe either. You know, hence the story. So the bottle, as it's hanging in the tree, it begins to expand. And it's at eye level. And one of my friends, probably the dumbest one out of the group, had this bright idea to kick the bottle as it was about to explode. There's about six or seven of us that circled up around the bottle to watch this cool thing happen as it's hanging from a tree. Looking back on it, it's not that cool. So the bottle as it's expanding, the kid runs up to it, kicks the bottle, and <laughs> the bottle comes flying towards me. And I see it. it. You know how when 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 you see something bad's about to to happen, when it's like it's in slow motion. This bottle is in slow motion, coming towards my face. And then all of a sudden, I see the bottle explode, and the tiny drops of liquid I could see it come flying into my right eye. <laughs> it, it was bad. Within 10 minutes, my eye swelled completely shut. I had to be taken to the hospital and had to have my eye cleaned out. My story, however dumb it may sound, does not match up to someone who has been born blind. Can you imagine never seeing a rainbow? Can you imagine never seeing color? Can you imagine never seeing the beauty of a flower, the rustling of leaves in the wind? Could you imagine never seeing the smile of your beautiful wife? Can you imagine never seeing your children grow up from year to year or the priceless artwork that they may draw you? Some of us may, because of health reasons, end up without sight at some time, but can you imagine not having it? The story today, the true story from the Gospel of John, is about a man born blind, and he receives his sight both physically and spiritually. Now, I know this morning it may have been difficult for some of you to even pull yourselves out of bed. You, you may be struggling with something. It, it may be sin. It may be a family matter. It may be a struggle of some sort that may be bringing some tension in your family. <clears throat> or even just in your own personal life. I may know what some of you are going through per our discussions, but I don't know what everyone's going through. Or even what everyone is going through fully. This message is not geared towards any one person. This is one of the many reasons why I love verse-by-verse -verse preaching. This is the next text in the Gospel of John that we are called to tackle. But isn't it, isn't it great that through God's sovereignty that this text lands on today? Because some of you, I believe, God has a reason for you to hear it. So let's jump in. The big idea I have for you today is this. The light of the world... Give sight to the blind because of his grace and power. The light of the world 
gives sight to the blind because of his grace and his power. Now, I only have three points this morning. I have three points, and I have no subpoints on your outline, but I'm going to give you some subpoints, so be ready to write those down. This passage follows the Feast of Tabernacles that we've been looking at from chapter 7 and 8. And this is Jesus showing us that what he has said in chapter 8 is true. That he is the light of the world. And we're going to see that this morning. So go ahead and look at verse 1 with me. Verse 1 says this, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. Isn't it weird how John is showing that Jesus is walking by a man who has been born blind and they know it? If you continue in verses 2 and 3, you'll see that they know this man is born blind. He didn't just gain his blindness from a disease. He was born this way. Now, blindness back then was common. You know, you would get it from diseases because they didn't have hand soap. You know, you rub your eyes with something unhealthy or bacteria. You get bacteria in there, you go blind. But this man was born blind. So how do we start off this passage with the idea that Jesus gives sight to the blind? We start with verse 1 that shows us that, number one, he knows our problems. Jesus knows our problems. This man born blind, this beggar, has never seen the light of day. He has never laid his eyes on a single person. He has never looked at a sunset or a sunrise. He has never seen lightning flash off in the distance. He has never been able to see a single thing in his life, and Jesus knows it. Jesus knows what he's been through. Jesus knows how hard he has struggled. He knows everything about this man. And church, he knows our struggles as well. Our problems, our hardships. He knows everything there is to know about us. So let's, let's, let's break this down. Church, here's your sub points. Number one, he knows your sin. If you want to write that down in your notes, he knows your sin. He knows the worst about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows the thoughts you had about that person the other day or maybe even this morning. He knows your heart and how wicked it is. He knows that thing you did that you thought nobody else knew about. Church, he knows your sin. He knows just how bad you really are. You can't keep a secret from God, church. You can't hide your sin. Christ knows just how sinful you are. Here's another note you can write down. He not only knows your sin, but he also knows your struggles. He knows your struggles. He knows what's been on your heart lately how you've been hurting. He knows what's been keeping you down, and He knows what has possibly been keeping you in bed lately. He knows your worries, your heartaches, your struggles. Even though we may be blind spiritually, Jesus is not blind to our problems. He knows them. He knows the things we don't want other people to know. What do we say to that? I say we should be comforted by that. 
But Jesus knows every sin I've ever committed. How, how can I find comfort in that? How, how can, how can I feel comfort from knowing that Jesus knows what I've done? I can only find shame and embarrassment and guilt. Church, you can find comfort in that even though Jesus knows the worst about you, as a child of God, He loves you the most. Even though He knows the worst about you, He loves you the most. Wait, wait, wait. So, Pastor, you mean that God's not angry with my sin? <laughs> oh, yeah. God, God's angry with, with your sin. He's a righteous and holy God. He's angry with your sin. Your sin deserves judgment. But hear this. There's grace at the cross. The one who knows the worst about you, even in your worthless state, died so that you can be made right with God. The one who knows the worst about you, he took that worst thing about you and took it upon himself and nailed it to the cross. He died for you. That's comforting. It's comforting that he knows our sin and it's comforting that he knows our struggles. Church, you are not alone in this fight. He knows your problems. He knows how hard it's been for you with whatever you're dealing with. And let me say this, this isn't a pity party sermon. In the midst of our struggles, I'm not talking about our sin here. I'm talking about our struggles, our temptations, our trials, our suffering. In the midst of all of that, Christ sympathizes with us. Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We have a Savior who has compassion on us. Verse 16 in, he, in Hebrews 4, that author says that we may find grace to help in time of need. Grace isn't just a means for forgiveness. Grace is power. It's strength. It's by God's grace that we can face each and every single day. No matter how difficult it, 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 it may be. And it's God's grace that Christ uses here for the man born blind. He knows our problems. In verses 2 and 3, the disciples ask an, inter an interesting question. Let's, let's look at it. They ask this. They say, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Whenever we have our struggles and our problems, we tend to ask the question, why? We wonder, why are we going through this? The disciples are only bringing up what the customary reaction is, that people encounter struggles because of their sin. They are blaming either the parents or the man himself. See, here's this thing, church. We have this idea today that bad things happen because we haven't been doing enough good. We call it karma. 
Church, that's a Hindu belief. That's not a Christian belief. But within your struggle today, you may be asking yourself, why am I going through this? What did I do to deserve this? Maybe, maybe if I would have given more, I wouldn't be going through this. Maybe, maybe if I would have passed up, maybe if I wouldn't have passed up the beggar on the side of the road the other day, maybe I wouldn't be dealing with this. Maybe if I was a nicer person. And hear this, we would probably think that if we would have done all these things, we would say the universe is paying me back for all the wrong I've ever done. Church, that is not true. That is not true. That is called karma. That's a Hindu belief. We must understand that there is a place for discipline. We see discipline throughout God's word. We see it when God takes David and Bathsheba's child because of his sin. Discipline is a biblical doctrine that God uses to help his children grow. We discipline our kids so that they can learn. But we we must also understand that the problems we have come our way, not just because of discipline, but also, number two, for God's purpose. He has a purpose. Within our problems, write this down in in your notes. Here's here's your, your sub point. God has a purpose for our circumstances. God has a purpose for our circumstances. This man was born blind for a purpose that God might display his work within him. Romans 8, 28, it says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for God, for those who are called according to his purpose. He has a purpose for our problems. There is no such thing as purposeless suffering as a child of God. Praise God for that. No such thing as purposeless suffering for a child of God. He has a purpose for what we are struggling with. God's going to heal this man in John 9 so that his glory might be displayed. He uses our suffering and trials for his purposes. So take heart this morning, church, that no matter what you're dealing with, God will use it for his purpose. He knows our problems and he has a purpose. And understand this. Here's your here's your second one. Uh, Write this down under God's purpose. It's brought under God's timing. He has a purpose for our circumstances and it's brought under God's timing. Who knows how long this man has been born blind? Verse 3, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Who knows how long this man has been born blind? Who knows how long your suffering may last? It's under God's timing. We find out later that this man is of age. He's an adult. He can be tried as an adult. So it's been maybe a couple decades that he's had this blindness. And he's suffered with it. But God has used it. But see this as well. The disciples are called to work in verse 4. 
Verse 4 says this, We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. God has a purpose. He has a purpose for our circumstances. And write this down. He has a purpose for the church. He has a purpose for our circumstances. And he has a purpose for the church. We are to work. And we must understand that we must work with a sense of urgency. He tells us in verse 4, we are to work. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. There is coming a time when it's going to be too late. Church, we get to take part in accomplishing God's purpose for this world. And we must do it with a sense of urgency. Jesus shows us in verse 5 that he is the light of the world. And as long as he is in the world, there will be light. Church, if Christ has ascended, how is his light still here? Because he tells us in verse 5, as long as he is in the world, I am the light of the world. So if he has ascended, how is light still here? It's in us. It's in his church. We are the lights of the world. We are to continue working with a sense of urgency because one day there will only be darkness for those who reject the light. No more opportunity. Jesus approaches this man born blind and heals him. In church, we are called to share the gospel. We are called to share the gospel within our community and to the nations so that people who are blind can see. God has a purpose for our circumstances and a purpose for the church. Church, this is a great message. I'm not talking about my content. I'm talking about John 9. This is, we have a message of hope and healing for the world, a spiritual healing to see the beauty of Jesus, and we are called to work with a sense of urgency. We, we are called to, in, in Ephesians 5, 16, to make the most of our time because the days are evil. Church, we, like Jesus, must go to those who are blind and show them the light of the gospel. We, like Jesus, must, with a sense of urgency, give this message to the world because he has a purpose for our circumstances and a purpose for the church. So we see Jesus knows our problems. He has a purpose for our problems. And thirdly, he holds the power. Look at verses 6 and 7. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This is really cool. I love with the uh, sermon prep where I can come through and, 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 and study the words and see the comparisons. This, these two verses here, it takes us back to creation. Where God created man out of the dust of the ground. God uses dust to create man. Jesus is using dust to create a new creation. Using dust and spit, he gives new birth to this man. This doesn't mean that the power was in the mud. We have seen Jesus telling people to get up and walk and heal them from paralysis. We're going to see in John 11 where Jesus tells Lazarus to come forth from, 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 from the tomb and he comes back to life. There's no power in the mud. The power is in the Savior. 
What does he tell the blind man to do? He says in verse 7, go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Church, we have seen this before in the Gospel of John, where John uses names that mean something. We saw it in John 5 with the pool of Bethesda. Here we see it with the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This is the pool. This is the pool that the water ceremony with the Feast of Booths came from. Remember where we talked in John 7 about the water ceremony where they would bring water in and pour it out. And then this is where Jesus stood up and said, If anyone thirsts and they come to me, rivers of living water will flow out of him. This is that pool that the water was brought from. But not only that, Jesus, just like in verse 4, has called himself the one who is sent by God. This is what Jesus is basically telling the man. He's basically saying, go, wash yourself in me. Church, Christ's power is found in the blood shed on the, cra- on, on the cross. We are washed in the blood of Jesus as he cleanses us from our sin As he saves us from our sin, we are to wash in the pool of Jesus' grace. We are washed clean by the blood of Christ. We are to wash in his grace. Have you done that today? Have you washed in the pool of the grace of Christ? Because today, it may just be what you need. We don't have to revisit the pool of God's grace for salvation, but we made to revisit this pool for grace, for strength to live another day. We may need to revisit this pool of grace to fight the sin that we're fighting, to overcome our anxiety and depression. Whatever you're struggling with, will you wash in the pool of Jesus today? As we see here, this man, after washing in in the pool, he comes back seeing. Church, this is the gospel. Jesus knows our problems. He has a purpose and he holds the power. So church, I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what what you're struggling with, but I want you to know that Christ is here and there is grace at the cross and he's calling you. He's calling those who are spiritually blind to come and see. He wants to heal you of your spiritual blindness. We just need to come to Him. He's done all the work. He's done all the work. He holds the power. And He knows how bad you are. He knows how bad you've got it right now. And He has grace and compassion for us. So will you come to Him this morning? To the believer, will you come and receive that strength? To the unbeliever, will you come and receive Christ? Let's pray. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your truth that You died for our sins so that we may spiritually see You are the light of the world who gives sight to the blind because of your grace and power. God, I pray that we know that this morning. 
We love you. We praise you. We thank you. In your son's precious name we pray. Amen.